Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. Uh, patrons, it's me, Scoots, uh, dialing you in. You know, I'm not, while well, I'm not blinded by the lights, I'm here to turn the lights down. Uh, and uh, I, try, I was trying to figure out a way to work that song in, which at the time I'm recording this, uh, it just came out a week or two ago. Uh, but this time, I couldn't do it. Uh, so uh, well, what I'll do is I'll just put you to sleep instead. Thanks for the support, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed and turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. It could be thoughts you're thinking about, things on your mind. So it could be thoughts uh, that, like I said, are on your mind. It could be repetitive thoughts, uh, uh, feelings, anything coming up for you emotionally or physically. It could be changes in time or temperature or travel. Uh, I've been uh, like, uh, I'm longing for my bed. Holy moly. I haven't slept in my own bed. I've I've been uh, traveling and helping someone and I have not. uh, But I still, you know, I, I found a way to create my own routine on the road or when I'm not home, really. And I think that's an important thing. A little tiny ritual. It's all you need. Uh, so I'm here for you, to be a part of that for you, a part of your wind down. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, what I'm going to do is, I, like I said, I got this safe place to set up here, plenty of room. You know, like, like I've talked about probably before, you know, we got cubbies, storage, lockers, uh, multiple spaces for you to come in or bring to you. I'm trying to really bring you that sense of a safe place where you can unwind. I send my voice across the deep, dark night. I use lulling, uh, creaky, dulcet tones. And not for everybody. Usually creaky, dulcet tones tend to grow on you. I don't think creaky, dulcet tones are normally well-suited for, like, a multiple choice answers where you're only allowed to answer one. Uh, like you say, well, what type of tones do you, do you prefer? Dulcet tones, uh, soothing, lulling tones, uh, quiet tones, silver tone. That was a, a great jazz singer that, uh, we like, uh, listen, listen to the podcast for a long time. Chris, he probably still listens. Uh, I know Chris's friends probably do too. Uh, but uh, you wouldn't say creaky dulcet tones. You'd say, was that a misprint? Creaky dulcets, uh, like creaky like a door. I say, yeah, creaky like a door or a frog, you know, not a, quite a frog. Like here's another thing that never comes up on the podcast, except when it's written into a story is toads. And I guess tonight I'll have to give toads their due, like on the positive side, though. We'll get back to you, Toads. But, you know, because you say, well, how come frogs get all the credit? With And I say, well, I don't know what a Toad So I, 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 don't worry, though. I'll get back to you. I, here's the thing. I, I like Toads. I, I'm pretty sure. Are you a frog or a Toad that's in my brain right now? You're representing a Toad. I realize that. But I just wanted to see if you were a frog or a Toad so that I don't make an assume, you know, an assume out of both of us. Because I'm so okay. So if you're new, oh boy, who knows what's going to come up next? If I talk to a toad, did Doctor Doolittle ever talk to any in any of the iterations of Doctor Doolittle? Did Doctor Doolittle ever talk to the toads? I mean, because you say, well, I'm still an animal. I mean, I'm a lizard, right? Oh, whoops, amphibian. Are you an amphibian? I'm not even sure. Don't you don't have to put your head down. It's okay if you're not an amphibian. I think those are the ones that breathe through their skin. So it would be handy, of course. Uh, okay, so oh, where was I? Oh, so if you're new, oh, I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark and glowing, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. You just got one there. Uh, superfluous tangents. That could have been a superfluous tangent. More of a pointless meander, though. 
I'm going to go off topic. I'm not going to get anywhere. Eventually, uh, we'll get going, but you might not even notice. Uh, so if you're new, here's a few things to know that I want to, I want to put you at ease. If you're skeptical or doubtful, it totally makes sense. You know, if you're feeling ambivalent or not sure, that's a totally, I mean, that's totally understandable. So uh, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to like, uh, let me tell you about the structure of the show first, because it's one of the many things about this show that can throw people off. Creaky dulcet tones throw people off. You know, my, I mean, this isn't meant to be like, uh, I'm not self-deprecating myself. I just not everybody's taste. So that's another thing. Never, barely, ever, almost getting to the point. That's another thing. But structurally, uh, this podcast is a little bit different. And sometimes, uh, you know, if the podcast doesn't work for you, because you like a, but so if you think you want to try it a few times, the show starts off with business. That's really how we're able to keep it free for everybody. Then there's an intro. Now, the intro is, so the show starts off ideally with like two to four minutes of business. And I just give you these times because they've come up a few times recently. Then the intro itself is like somewhere between 12 and 18 minutes of me just rambling. And those are furry rambles. And that's, you know, that uh, I'm not trying to get you to do anything other than like introduce the podcast to you. So it's like from, so whatever, I don't know where we are. Between minutes is uh, four and 20. Oh boy, there we go. I didn't even mean to pander to my 420 listeners, but there you go. It's time wherever you are. Uh, you know, enjoy it if you got it. Uh, so then around 20 minutes, there's some more business. That's the nature of the podcast. Then there'll be our episodically modular series at Get Basso. So a bedtime story that you could listen to in any order. Yeah, then there's some thank yous at the end of the show. That's the structure of the show, but a little bit more about the intro, because you might say, wait a second, the intro to your podcast is somewhere, depending on how you define it, between you know 14 to 18 to 20 to 13 to 11 to 12 to 19 minutes or so, possibly 17 or 15. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, maybe half 18 or something. I don't know if that's a number, but... Uh, yeah, it's really part of the wind-down routine. So it's a way to introduce a podcast to new listeners. It give you an idea of what you're in for. It get, get, start to trigger that part of your brain that says, oh, I might not even really need to pay attention to this show because he's just kind of uh, shuffling around. And I'd say you're on to something there. Uh, but for so for new listeners, it's a podcast you don't need to listen to. But the intro kind of, as you develop in like your second, third, fourth, fifth time listening, you say, "Well, I like to listen as I'm getting ready for bed," or some people say, "I like to listen as I'm in bed," or you know, "I like to listen after I say good night to my my uh, my my partner," and they roll over and start snoring, or what? They go right to sleep instantly, which that gives me a little distraction from the fact we have different sleep style. Or some people like to start it on a speaker and their pets hop in bed. And then some listeners, only I think 2% or so, it's 2 to 4%, it looks like, uh, they start the show at 20 minutes. They just listen at whatever starts at 20 minutes. It might be the end of the intro, it might be some business, it might be the beginning of the series. And then other people on Patreon, there's like a variety of listeners. Some people listen all night. I'll be honest, like the Patreon is probably better for that because there's no interruptions or anything. But, uh, you know, some people listen all night. Some people turn it on when they're asleep. But the intro kind of gives you a chance to let the day drift away and to get comfortable, to get cozy. So that's the intro. Yeah, like I said, it's a podcast you don't need to listen to. The story you may or may not hear. Uh, and you say, okay, well, what's the story? But I say, well, b believe it or not, I take the first five to 10 minutes to catch you up on everything that's ever happened in three seasons of the series. So, uh, you'll, you'll know, or you'll be asleep. So it's a podcast you don't need to listen to. Uh, but there's also no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for about an hour and everything is complete. Even though things are slow to develop, uh, they slowly develop like a photograph. 
Never thought of that in this analogy before, but you know, like there's instant photographs, uh, and then there's like photograph, photograph, the old, you know, film photographs, and those are slow to develop. And instant photographs, you see, well, that's not instant. Uh, some people are like, can you flick it or whatever? So I guess my point with that is that uh, the show is slow to develop, but eventually a picture does develop. It's a lulling, soothing one. So if you can't sleep, there are listeners out there with you. And I'm, I'm, my goal is to be here with you as you drift off or if you need the show. Uh, episode after episode after episode tonight. So that's the structure of show. Those are kind of things around the show. I make the show one because I've been there, or pretty often I'm there. Tossing, turning, got those down. Mind racing, got that. Trouble getting to sleep. Oh boy, trouble staying asleep. Yep. Sometimes, like I said, sleeping in new places, changes in routine, uh, all that stuff. Like uh, sleeping in a room recently. With uh, that had a lot of light, uh, and I didn't have a sleep mask, so then and also that I didn't have control over the temperature because I was a guest. Uh, so those are all things that might be out of our control, right? What's in my control is to be here for you, and even though I just pointed out, is to kind of tell you a story and slowly take your mind off of it. Uh, because I truly believe you do deserve a good night's sleep. You know, I've been there, like I said, and uh, I think you deserve a place of respite and that your world and our world will be a better place uh, if you're in a rested position. I mean, rested position right now, and then you're rested, and you say, wow, like, uh, no, don't fl- Here's a question I don't know the answer to. I just assume I know the answer. Do flowers love to be smelled and appreciated? Because everybody says, stop and smell the flowers. And a lot of us, we roll our eyes. I, I, I mean, uh, but I guess it would change it if you say, what if, here's another, let's take a phrase back. Well, you know, don't worry, toads. Eventually I'll think of something about you too. Uh, but what if we stop and, and instead of stopping, like change that phrase? I don't know if we could get everybody on board in the world. Probably not. And also probably people point out that this isn't true, but you say, hey, stop and, you know, instead of saying stop and smell the roses or the flowers, uh, you see, did you ever, maybe if you just say it as a question, did you ever wonder if flowers love being smelled and appreciated? And then you pause here. So this isn't exactly efficient. Then you pause and you say, because I sure love smelling them. Holy cow. Even when they don't smell, I love taking a second. Uh, Probably would still roll her eyes at that person. You're right. You're right, Toad. I knew you were in here for a reason. Here's another question. I don't know if you are an amphibian or not. Uh, and I don't know if that's, per- you know, I don't really pronounce a lot of words correctly. Amphibian, I think is that. But uh, you say, well, I got a ma- mammalian brain. I got an allies, like an Eddie Izzard brain, you know, that rhymes with that. Azard, sorry. I wasn't thinking of Oz, or, uh, you know, the hand. I mean, I was thinking of the other handsome one. Uh, but so, but how come I don't have, I would like an amphibian brain. Where'd you just call it? I mean, because you got, I don't know, even know which one corresponds. You got the, the hypothalamus, uh, and that might be the brain stem or may, might not be. You got the cortex, you get the cerebellum and the cerebrum. I think there's probably other things, but uh, that's, you're probably right. My, my, once upon a time, someone asked questions like this in the amphibian brain, part of the brain walked out because it said, I can breathe out of my skin. You know, what do you want from me? I mean, I think that would be, pre- I guess I'm projecting, but I'd say that would be pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. You're right. I don't know anything about breathing through my skin. I fantasize. You say, well, tell me your fantasies. They say, well, I'm breathing through my skin. And they say, okay, well, are you there? Okay. Uh, usually they just say, you know what? I got to go put money in the meter after I say something like that. And they say, I thought you walked here. Oh, okay. I'll just, I can follow along though. It was the breathing through the skin. It didn't, okay, bye. Um, or was it the toad I brought with me? Because here's the thing. I used to hold a lot of toads. Uh, I presume they were toads. And they would, uh, 
like I was sure that it wasn't, I was very gentle. I was always gentle with the toads uh, because of, uh, there was lore about you that, you know, you would cause, um, you could cause some skin outbreaks, but that wasn't, that was not true. But also every time I picked you, one of you up, you would do a number one it, almost every time. Never really bothered me too much because it was just, once you get used to it, uh, so, I don't know, sorry about that. I guess I, I, I guess I have to make amends to all toads everywhere. Probably should do it, you're right, probably should do it with a donation and not a public apology. Because I would have to apologize for my toad, toad ignorance of toads. In, in ignorance of toads, uh, that would be a book I would think about writing but would never sell. In ignorance of toads and other, uh, I mean, it could be, maybe it could be a chapter. What was my point? You're right. Uh, you're right about that. I was uh, just showing the listeners. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we were trying to take back a phrase, and then I got distracted and started talking about toads. Because uh, you correct you corrected me and put me you put me back on track. I mean, you you're very. Um, I don't know if you, I don't want to, again, I'm just making, but you are very, uh, you have a stillness about you. So, I mean, here's the thing, maybe like, even though, so this is a bit of a reach, but I'm trying to make something positive in sleep podcasts to take, you know, taking the toad back from the, you know, the, 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 the tired history of the toad. Oh, I forgot to finish my apology to toad. So thanks. I was in the middle of making a point, but, uh, I was wrong uh, picking you up, uh, probably making you go number one because you said, what is this person doing picking me up? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you could tell me how it would affected you. I'm open to hearing about that, and I'd like to understand it better. And uh, I am a different person now. I don't pick up toads like that, but if there's anything I can do to make it right, uh, I'd like to do that. Uh, See, I mean, I realize it's easy for me to say because you're not sentient, but you seem to be in my brain. What I was going to say, though, uh, you don't, you know, I'm not asking you to accept my apology either. Like, you could, I'm open to hearing about it later, too. Uh, but so what I was saying before I interrupted myself by, you know, but before my proper apology... How what would you give that apology? I'd say it was seven out of ten. I mean, just uh, like in that way, it wasn't written or anything. Oh, you dock me four points for because you're not sentient. Well, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that is fair. It is a very narcissistic of me to apologize to a non sentient being. Or kind, you prefer kind. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, could get back to this point of using you as a symbol? Sorry about your, you know, our discussions of your, uh, you know, uh, I'll apologize for that one day. But so what I was thinking is you have a stillness. I was trying to compliment you, believe it or not. This toad is holy moly. So you have a stillness about you. And when you think about the other two parts of your brain, they're not necessarily associated with the mammal part, you know, has the heart and the breathing and stuff. I think that's what it is in milk. I think those are the mammal parts. Not sure. And the izzard parts are, you know, the dashing and running around or something. But maybe you could be like a stillness, like breathing through the skin, even if it's a symbolic sense thing. Uh you know, finding my internal toad and being there. So I don't know. That's just an idea. Anyway, so this is a podcast to put you asleep. Excuse me, toads. Uh, I'll be back uh, one day. You say, what did it, what was that donation to the, the Toadabon Society? Uh, the Amphibobon, Scooters founded the Amphibobon Society. Turns out toads aren't amphibians. Uh, so then he had to create the Toadabon Society. And, uh, that was the end of, so this is a podcast to put you to sleep. I realize that it's a lot different, uh, if you're new and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, um, it, it, it does work for the people it works for. So give it a few tries. That's what, I mean, millions of people have said it took two or three tries and then I became a regular listener. 
So kind of see how it goes because it, it's free and you just give it a try and see if it helps you uh, because, uh, uh, yeah, I really wanted to see if it would, you know, I, I hope it does, I guess is my thing. So I'm glad you're here. I do really appreciate you coming by, whether you're new or you're one of those regular listeners that's been with me since 2013. Hey, what's up? Uh, they they were here for season one at Get Passos. So wherever you are on the scale of listenership, I'm glad you're here. I work very hard. I yearn a nice drive because I really want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways we're able to keep this podcast free for everybody. All right, everybody, it's time for another episode of our uh, episodically modular series at Get Bassos, a tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Pennies. Uh, escape from purgatory or limbo or, uh, um, I don't know if a mo- like, a, a, a something similar to a neutral Janet Void, as a matter of fact, and I'm thinking about it. Uh, a place like that, whatever your belief system or your, you know, uh, suspension of that, uh, you won't believe it, actually. They were in purgatory. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's, you'll believe it. You know what I'm saying? You're you're in the right place. I'm here to put you to sleep, you know? So James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears, uh, two titans of retail industry, escaped purgatory and returned to Earth uh, to in search of uh, teaching some lessons to a, his, a fictional figure named Jif Bissos, uh, founder of Amazon.com, who they felt crushed their retail empires. So that's why they came to Earth. Uh, over two seasons of uh, friendship, mostly friendship and some adventure, they, uh, they became friends, uh, all three of them. They oh you heard a lot about a lot about it in the last episode while they were having a little breaky poo, but yeah so they had some adventures and then they found themselves back in purgatory. Richard well this was before this season even started. Richard Warren Sears, James Cashpenny, and Jif Vissos. Jif uh, snuck out to return to Earth, uh, like uh, the backup redundant version of Earth. Earth's, Earth's got a backup. That's great news. I mean, not for us, but for whoever's like either supervising Earth or, you know, whatever a greater purpose Earth is to serve. Uh, it always, you know, always good to have a backup. So Earth, which we'll call Earth from now on, just because uh, uh, otherwise, you know, I'll forget. Uh, so. Jif snuck off to Earth, a silent H. From from moving forward, it has a silent H. Uh, to get uh, Zbiff, uh, founder of uh, what is that called? There's a simple word for it when it's your name. The synonymous uh, platform Zbiff. Uh, I don't think that's that, but a uh, uh, shopping and social sharing platform uh, where. Uh, so Zbiff, uh, oh, so Jif said, I got to go teach Zbiff a lesson because Zbiff had the dominant uh, uh, social media, social shopping and sharing platform. And of course, really just advertising, you know. And Jif snuck off because he felt like he didn't like what Zbiff was doing. But Jif, luckily, he left a long to-do list. Uh, so James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears then once again escaped purgatory. Uh, this time to return to Earth, uh, Earth uh, to get Bessos, uh, to, just to make sure he doesn't get himself in any trouble. So that's the season we're in. Uh, is James Cashpenny, Richard Warren Sears, searching Earth, uh, going through GIF's to-do list uh, of communities impacted by his social media and shopping platform. Uh, communities in the broadest sense of the word, or uh, groups or people impacted by it. And trying to like uh, procedurally, you know, uh, how does how well does this work out? They're, each episode they spend procedurally, in an episodic sense, uh, because they could listen to them in any order. Uh, trying to figure out what Jif, uh, trying to catch up with Jif, fix these things in hope of crossing paths with Jif or Zbiff. And so it's time for tonight's episode of Get Bessos. Uh, and here's our, just back when we're recording this uh, from, you know, Big Night at the Oscars. Uh, because when I see you on the screen, it's Big Night for me.
a friend of the show, a friend of the world, a heartthrob. I mean, have I called you a heartthrob before? Because, uh, holy cow. A uh, kind man, a man with a smile that actually relaxes me. Uh, so I guess, but, it, you know, it also makes me aware of your heart throbdom. Uh, the man who drives all the way from Los Angeles, traffic or no traffic. Well, there's always traffic, he says. Uh, sometimes multiple traffics. Who waits to use a restroom or stops at, there's not that great a place to stop either on the way to my place uh, from the highway or the freeway. To use the restroom before he gets here, uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. As the ladies, as the gentlemen, as the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time to get pesos. Yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, Scooter, for the kind. Thank you, everyone out there, uh, for your support, the support of uh, uh, international film. Obviously, uh, uh, don't miss out on it. That's all I have to say. Uh, good night. Yeah, you check check out uh, Antonio's film, which I can't say the first word, but it's glory, something in glory. Oh boy. Here's the thing. Just go to whatever your streaming service is or whatever you watch. If search for Banderas uh, or Banderas, uh, if I'm pronouncing, you know, and then uh, kick back and enjoy it. Or go to your local independent cinema and say, hey, where the, you know, let's get a, when's the Antonio Banderas Film Festival? Uh, thanks. And this is Get Bassos. Okay, buddy. Uh, buddy, 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 that was a good rest, uh, and I think we're ready to kind of resume things, James. Uh, so, uh, but I don't know, I guess I'm just not feeling, once again, I'm not feeling motivated, maybe it's just we rested too much. Richie, it was good rest, I think, uh, I don't think that's it, I think it's kind of coming up, but we're still struggling. We've never... In some sense, when you were in charge, I mean, you've been right about this all along, and we had a simple mission, just go get Jif. It didn't really go well, and we didn't help anybody, but it was simpler because we were able to, we had a common purpose, and we were able to factor everything through. Well, I guess my role was a little different. Your role was, can I get, well, it's always complicated, but I guess that's what I was saying. Well, you're right. When I was leading in and I said, just everything we're going to do is going to be get Jeff. Uh, even as you were about to say, James, when it looked like I was stroking my ego or going for my own glory, it was really in service of our mission to get Jeff out of trouble, of course. Uh, but you were talking about something else, and then I guess I hijacked the conversation. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and because I, I, I guess what I was going to say uh, before I got distracted is uh, in a little disheartened is because, you know, I'm familiar with the golden rule, James. I mean, how many times are you going to explain it to me? Uh, you know, the golden rule is also, you know, the, the people who have the gold makes the rules is the other side of the golden rule. Right, Richie, but I'm just trying to point out what is our, uh, uh, like, what is our, like, uh, like, should we really try and, like, they call it a pedagogy, you know? I don't know what you mean, James. Pedagogy, like, what are we trying? I feel like we're trying to teach too much. Uh, James, I don't think you're using those words correctly. Well, you're probably right about that, Richie, but... Okay, listen, what you're kind of saying is uh, we have the do as I say, not as I do. Let's just go over what our issue, what, what we're coming up against. Uh, that's number one. Like, uh, can you rephrase that and t- tell it back to me, James, in your words of your own understanding? Okay, more. yeah, we are facing that. You're right. The social media shopping and sharing platform seems to really spark that in people or make it easier to say, don't do that. I'm talking about your behavior right now. 
uh, yeah, and we're not even thinking about my behavior. I'm just talking about your behavior. What did I do? No, no, no. I mean, that's what I was rephrasing. Oh, so I'm now making you rephrase things so I understand it is wrong. No, what I was saying is, do, James, I'm kidding. You, every once in a while, I'm kidding. Well, that was actually pretty good. That was, uh, you know, try to relax. We're here to work together against each other so we can work together. Another thing, James, is like uh, being, in, and this happens to me, I mean, all the time. I mean, probably because I know better. But I know I spend a lot of time worried about what you're doing or what Jif is doing or what Zbif is doing. Is that like a part of being human, James, uh, or I guess post-human too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's one thing is, yeah, uh, is, that, is it more prevalent here or are we more aware of it? Or, again, is this, is, it's probably a Zbif thing. Uh, then there's, uh, Richie, I don't know if you notice this, there's like super offenders, I guess, who, uh, I mean, we've already dealt with a lot of them. You know, they walk their dogs, they don't care, but they point at, you know, they're pointers. Uh, they're oblivious or they don't care, but they also get really, uh, they're the first to, you know, to catch somebody else. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean... Here's the other thing, James, and I guess because I, uh, is, so those are all things. What about also, like you'd say, I don't know, common sense, maybe there wasn't ever a thing as common sense. And I mean, I know that, uh, listen, I'm, I'm learning on this. You might not believe it, and that somehow I'm a little bit of an archetype of these behaviors. Uh, so, if you, yeah, I know you're speechless, James, but so let's just move on. Like, one thing I worry about is being the, the F-O-O-L. So let's say I follow all these rules and uh, do it all the time, but then other people get away with it. I don't want to be the one. You know what I'm saying, James? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I do. I do know what you're saying. It's a human thing. I mean, the other thing is, like, how much does any of this matter? Are we are we the ones caught up in it, Richie, is what I'm wondering. Is it even more narcissistic uh, for me? I mean, not for you. You seem to be learning. Uh, thank you for noticing what I'm doing and the changes I'm making about myself. Uh, thanks for noticing that, because uh, you're really working hard. So is it narcissistic for us to be here in a world that's not ours, uh, you know, worried about what other people are worried about? Uh, like, does any of it matter or does our opinion even matter? And then there's the idea that uh, if something you can't do, something spoiled, you can't dilute it anyway. I think you said something like that. Uh, I may have, James. I may, you probably did hear me say something uh, enlightened like that. All right, so, James, let's reassess where we're at here. Uh, so we're still kind of stuck, but we have to keep going through this list. Uh, and, I'm, you know, it's still in the back of my mind. What are we doing here? Okay, Richie, yeah, so we're still stuck. We're still kind of, what worked before our break was that uh, we took kind of opposite sides of things. And I kind of feel like that worked pretty well. Like, uh, even though I do have the sense that we're already here, because we're already here at this studio, Silver Sleeper Studios. Uh, and James Jiff notes that this is probably owned, likely, he says, owned by Zbif. Uh, but I feel like we've been here, I don't know. It, 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 well, James, this also reminds me of a scene in La La Land. Now one of the big scenes. Uh, maybe where they drive by the club that he wants to own one day. Or something else, I don't know. Okay, so not the part where they're on the movie studio set. Oh, good. I'm glad you saw that movie. Uh, well, you made me watch it before we left. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, 
okay, so we should go in and just have them. And Jeff's kind of sketched out the problem pile on. It says, uh, oh, hello, hello. Yes, uh, we're here. Uh, uh, we're consultants here uh, to to uh, meet with you. Uh, yeah, Jay Jiffy. Sure, we're here with Jay. Yeah, we're, we're uh, no, we're just here to help. Uh, we, we know the studio has a situation. Oh, great. You've been expecting us. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Richie or W, you could call me, and this is my friend James. Okay, why don't you walk us through? How, how is everybody doing here? This is the team, eh? So, we heard about these pylons, uh, and uh okay you you explain it to james and then he's good at, he's my rephraser that's how we make sure i don't know if you've ever gotten any seminars on active listening we're the most active listener no so we're not interrupting you or cutting you off or explaining things back to you because i don't like the explainers uh we're here, but sometimes we unintentionally do that when we're trying to re-explain what you just said back to you to, to establish that we heard it also to help us in the listening process. And this is part of the J, this is just the J Jiffy method. If So if it gets on your nerves, remember, this was a J Jiffy method of listening, the school of listening. Okay, James, take it. Sorry, Richie was talking over you there, but uh, I, I think I picked up on what you're saying. So, you're one of the big studios, and we realize yeah, what you were saying about the history of the movie studios and how your business has become more and more dependent on blockbusters, and that it's like it's clear that it's not easy for any of you. It's uh, you know that's a, a very high pressure that your movies have to be very very successful and that you can't you know if you make a miss especially with some of these intellectual properties you're talking about uh, that uh that the uh wow richie i'm sorry i just having deja vu or something oh that's one of your movies you're working on that sounds interesting oh that's a hero heroine heroine sorry uh Okay, so so if you have too many misses, you know those. It's a very pressure-filled business, uh, and you have a general idea if something's going to be a hit or not, but you don't really know. Uh, but you accept that not everything can be a hit. But then, uh, Zbiff and the you know they, they uh, so okay, so that's one part of it. Okay, so I understand that part. Okay, you talk very fast. This is good that I'm going to rephrase. Okay, yeah. You're really able to convey information in an effective and efficient way. If I say micro-machines, does that mean anything to you? Maybe gives you deja vu, huh? Okay, so the other thing is with the with the platform, the ZBIF platform, the social media and shopping and sharing. That's the main source of advertising and word of mouth, which are kind of interlinked at this point. And that the lead up to the release, it can be very impacted. And the opening weekend, you really need to have a good second weekend. So you need to have an amazing opening weekend. But the second weekend is very important because that's okay, okay. And that's very dependent on the word of mouth of the people that saw the movie. Oh, but also within the algorithms. Okay, so you've noticed something new oh, that's slowly been developing. So that's P. Okay, so can I explain that back to you? I think I understand. So a lot of times uh, a movie like Deja Vu might come out. And everybody, or, or a large portion of people, are very excited to see Deja Vu, uh, see if you, whether the movie's going to tell her origin story or just have her already as a superheroine and that. Okay, and then, so people, some people are excited, some people are torn, some people just have, they can't get over themselves. Okay, so you have all these competing interests uh about interests for the film Deja Vu. 
then you have the film, very quality. You're saying you, you, you think it's a very well done picture. Still a couple tweaks in editing, but nothing major. Everybody's feeling very good about it. Okay, but in other, okay, so there's been other instances of this. Uh, okay, so where people say, uh, oh, so like people look for people to, to swing some, not the majority, but or the plurality, but some percentage of opinion. Uh, okay, so they would say, aren't you just so over superhero movies? Uh, but they would say that they're not saying it as an opinion because it's not really backed by anything. Uh, but they're hoping that more and more people would do that uh, and, and create like a snowball. Like a, they're hoping to create a snowball by saying that. Okay, yeah. And they say, don't you think uh, super heroines have gotten too super? Or who else thinks? Okay. Okay, sometimes they might cloak it like a positive, negative. Uh, like, you know, movies like Deja Vu are great, but I really miss this. Uh, or don't you? Okay, so I, I understand what you're saying. It's uh, They're looking to create a snowball of people who share their opinion or support their opinion. Uh, but it's more... Opinion might be the wrong word. You're right. We might not have a word for this. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Richie, we're listening here, and we got the whole team here from Silver Sleeper Studios. Uh, Richie, what do you think? Uh, I'd like to see a deja vu, actually. Did you uh, – oh, wait, this is a different uh, – have you ever had a war movie uh, – uh, we, that was a modern day mu- musical uh, with dancing. Was it called? I don't think James. I don't think it was called Oh La La Land. Does that? Oh, that gives you deja vu. Oh, there is music in 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 deja vu. Sorry, oh deja vu. Sorry about that. No, I was just asking. So I think James. This reminds me of that famous story. We once heard opposing side story. Once, you know, once upon a time, oh boy, did I, it was just like, it feels like it was just like yesterday. My, uh, I don't know, someone told me this story. It was a, a filmmaker, actually. And they were so well liked at the studios. Now, this was the era of the real big studios, uh, with vertical and horizontal integration. So they didn't have to, uh, you know, the, some of your concerns weren't their concerns because they said, well, this is the only movie you're going to see this weekend. Uh, it'll be in the studio theater. So but that's not possible here in your world. Right? Currently, this is a piece of fiction, I mean. But all the movies were big budget. And then, you know, all everybody had to go change and everything around. Uh, and the movies, like, they were so good, giant sets, you know, the vertical and horizontal information, you know, that made it so they could, be, you know, create whole, you know, whole worlds and film it, you know, practical effects, saw everything. And big stakes, uh, but everybody, even then, uh, was worried when things started to change. They said, well, this is going to change how we make uh, films. Uh, we'll have to avoid mistakes because we can't, uh, you know, if they could only go pick, you know, if they could pick uh, more than, we just started to get with James. Uh, go ahead, James. Oh, James wants to tell the next part of the story. Yeah, so this, things started to change in the movie business, uh, uh, and they called it La La Land. And the people outside of there, because everybody was so caught up in the business. And when things changed, they said, well, what if we, what if our movies don't have the success to pay for all the practical effects and the staffing and all that? What are we going to do? And years went by and it was a, like a feast or famine type thing. And no one... You know, someone said, well, why don't you make movies across budgets? Uh, 
And they tried that for a time, and it kind of worked. Uh, it worked really well, actually. But then there was a reconsolidation. Because they said, well, you make movies for uh, 300, 30, 300, 3 million, 30 million, or 300 million. Not just those numbers. And... Uh, but then they went back to these things. They called them, in La La Land, they called them tent poles. Oh, boy, did they. It, this sounds exactly like the situation you're in. No, no, not your, your, James, that's like you're in town. So, so that was a situation they had, and they needed someone to help fix it. Uh, oh, boy, did they. And that's where that character, this filmmaker, stepped in. Now, he was, his name was Jif. Oh, boy. And he was not good at making movies. He made some of the worst movies uh, you could ever possibly make. Some people would say they weren't even films, uh, uh, that they didn't even make any sense. They were, uh, uh, Joe James, go ahead. I know you want to go now. Uh, but while he didn't know movies that well, he did know uh, about budgets and marketing and workarounds. Uh, and he worked with, uh, like, uh, studios uh, because he, he was able to always make his movies at least break even, no matter how. He always put his movies on budget, uh, and he was worked, worked creatively within his budgets. Uh, to execute his vision, even though it was artistic and a little bit different, and some would say awful. Uh, that uh, okay. Well, I don't know about that, James. Uh, artistic is ridiculous. Uh, but so Jiff also, so Jiff kept, uh, so he broke even, right? Uh, and one day, the very visionary uh, executive uh, from another company happened to be, uh, his name was R- 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 Randy War- Warren, uh, and he worked outside of the movie business, uh, and he had seen a couple of these movies by Jeff, and they were not good. But he told a tale. He happened to be with all these executives to the big uh, uh, studios in a room like these ones. And he told them about uh, some simple retail concepts that these studios actually weren't familiar with. They needed someone to come set them straight. Uh, a retail titan at the time, the greatest retailer in the history of the planet, uh, in this story, but really anywhere. And he told them about loss leaders, uh, and they still didn't get it. They said, well, why would you sell something like no, that nobody wants? Uh, just to, and I'd say to get them in the store, that's why. Uh, uh, and they said, well, but they wouldn't be satisfied. And he said, I guess you don't get that. Uh, and he said, well, then he explained to them about advertising. And they said, we know about marketing movies, not about marketing toilet brushes. Uh, and so they had some, you know, they had a couple debates back and forth. It wasn't always pleasant. You know, hearing the truth is not ever easy. Uh, but eventually, yeah, he got them to realize that, uh, uh, James? Well, eventually he got him to realize that, uh, you know, some of these retailers uh, would open up a store and a store wouldn't even make a profit. It, 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 they could, it was similar to, they took this one uh, retailer, took the idea of a loss leader uh, to a whole nother level. And this was a sad time in the history of this story we're telling, but... Uh, uh, where it was like, oh, you could just run a whole store uh, that would lose money, but it would just try to lose as little money as possible uh, in order to be more com- to to mess with your competitors. Not very fair. And then they said, well, you could use something different than this model. Is I think what Richie was about to talk about for the films. Uh, uh, that's why he was talking about Jif, uh, right, Richie? 
Oh, yeah. So then he said, yes, uh, give me a second with my brilliance. As I sat quietly, he realized uh, that the studios would need to hire Jeff and that they could hire Jeff or someone like Jeff uh, to make their failures for them. And uh, that the failures could be almost great, uh, but that someone like in someone like Jeff's hands, uh, he could make a budget. He could stretch the budget uh, to make the movie uh, feel like a blockbuster. Uh, but because he was involved in it, it wouldn't be good. Just a natural, his natural taste was not uh, was not good, and so. The movie was almost guaranteed to fail spectacularly from a public perspective. But from the studio perspective, the movie wouldn't financially fail. And it would help them leverage uh, people's need to say, to point at that and say, oh boy, it would give confidence back to the people behind the productions. Uh, and they could also still use it within their exi- existing intellectual property. They'd say, well, you know, we really want Deja Vu to do well. Uh, but uh, Captain Carmel, you know, we, 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 he's like a Sonata or, or whatever, Sonata. That was another, that Captain Carv- Carmel versus Sonata was a movie. That was one of the first ones that Jif put out, put out right, James? Oh, thanks, Richie. Yeah, that was Jeff's first movie, Captain Carmel. It was just called Captain Carmel, but then when they released it, it actually seemed like they were in trouble. Uh, right before release, they changed the name to Versus Snada. And that was uh, that, uh, like, uh, it was like, and people even say, well, why would you put Snada in the name of a film? And so it gave something, but now this was still early on. So the studios hadn't even really realized what the problem was. They didn't have the brilliant data statisticians or whatever you have working here. And so that movie was more of the critics gave them something. Like they actually at the time said, oh, the critics are a problem. That's why we're making failures, uh, and so the critics, you know, for the most part, though there was a, a small percentage because of GIF's uh, underlying tenacity that enjoyed the film. They said this is a very different movie, a very different take on the superhero genre. You know, not an anti-hero yeah, with Captain Carmel, but uh, not exactly a hero we could root for or against, uh, but kind of someone like that might live down the street and Snada was uh, like a relatable uh, anti, you know, so they, it was something like that. Uh, but the studios already knew when they had that failure and it only lost almost no money with their creative accounting. When they looked at the bottom line, they said, wait a second. They also realized that this would be a competitive advantage because uh, it could impact other films. So it became a very thing, and, and Jay Jiffy became in demand instantly. Uh, but then, like uh, they realized that uh, it was more the the the, the, the R.W. The, the the characters' real vision, and not Jay Jiffy Jiff. Uh, uh, because, you know, he made movies uh, like Rubber Man and uh, Queen of the Lords, uh, Deep Water Blues. Those were some great films, weren't they? James, why don't you tell us a little about, about those films and how Jay Jiff, Jiffy's technique uh, changed over time? Well, you're right. He started to take uh, these temple movies and... Also, like with Queen of the Lords and uh, Deepwater Blues, change names, uh, and create pseudonyms and uh, alter personalities. Uh, 
so that it kept the momentum and nobody caught on. Uh, that it was one person behind these perceived colossal failures. Uh, but yeah, Rubberman was just like, a, that was one where J. Jiffy tried to make something that wouldn't make a negative splash. Uh, that was a second movie made with uh, the same big studio with Captain Carmel. Rubberman was uh, like a more somewhat forward uh, uh, character. And that movie was, uh, it was just neutrally received, uh, but perceived then as a failure in a different way, right? Uh, so Jif found new ways to fail. And eventually Jif started failing at failing, with Queen of the Lords in particular, uh, because that was Jif's uh, first fantasy film, uh, perceived to be a giant budget based on, you know, the famous, uh, uh, octet, you know, a set of eight books. Uh, you know, the first book, Queen of the Lords, uh, the most beloved of all the eight books, of course. Uh, you know, except for uh, Princess in the Half Shell, it was the final book, you know. And uh, so, Queen of the Lords was where uh, Jif uh, failed at failing, right, James? Well, kind of, because Jif had a uh, he made a, a Queen of the Lords uh, uh, a, a critical hit. It was it actually opened up a new arena into examining why they were doing this. It was a critical hit, uh, but it was it wasn't well received by the audience, and it was panned. The word of the mouth on uh, Queen of the Lords was not good. It was uh, considered to be. You like, uh, it wasn't even good at being not good. You're right, Richie, he failed at that. Uh, but it was when the studio started to process things, they said, wait a second, this lost, uh, they said, wait, maybe the critics aren't exactly guiding the bottom line. Uh, is this movie like, uh, right? They learned something. Well, yeah, once again, they learned they couldn't rely that necessarily wasn't just Jay Jiff's vision. Uh, but they had Queen of Lords, they said, okay, well, it's not the critics here that are, it's the word of the mouth. Uh, we need you to focus on Jay Jiff. Jiff, you're not doing it right. Uh, and they put the pressure on him for Deepwater Blues. Yeah, and that was a very different movie. That was one. Yeah, that was actually a pretty good movie that was marketed in the wrong way. Again, J. Jiffy's vision, which caused expectations to be off, uh, which caused uh, the, the, the audience to not be happy. But they were happy with the movie, but they weren't happy with the marketing. So they weren't happy when they went to the movie. But at a later date, uh, people were ha kind of happy. It was a good movie, basically marketed in the to totally wrong way. So it was critically received uh, as okay. And the word of mouth was strangely controlled because uh, people said, well, I thought this was going to be a movie uh, about two submariners, uh, you know, ro submarine rom-com. But it was really a movie about, you know, uh, like it was, a, you know, a giant, you know, movie with a giant being... Uh, so it was, you know, th that it was totally unexpected, totally marketed the wrong way. And that's where, uh, uh, right, so that was where they said, wait a second, there's something going on here with this word of mouth and uh, the uh, piling on. And yet they can't find, but that's when they found out that Jif Bessos, a fictional character, obviously it's a fictional story, nothing like Jay Jiffy. We just get mixed up sometimes. Uh, became synonymous with failure for failing at failure. Actually became a noun in this story we're telling you that people would say, I jiffed it. And right, that the jiffing outgrew. That was where it became, they, they jiffed it. The marketing team actually got blamed, even though it was Jif's vision. 
And that's where it outgrew Jif, uh, and studios just started doing it on their own, uh, testing, but making sure they could cover the bottom line with these movies made to not work out. And they figured out a way to keep it from, you know, to protect the integrity of the performers that were in the movies and make it fair on everybody. Uh, so that was, uh, but, but then they realized that uh, they still had one problem on their hands, uh, which is a problem we're here today to talk about. Because what, what people still say about Deepwater Blues uh, is uh, the most famous quote that changed everything in this world that we're talking about and that I want you to take away from here is that uh, someone once said, did you ever notice that Deepwater Blues is a really good movie? But I'll never like it because they promised me a rom-con. And that we got printed on shirts everywhere. Uh, because it came, in that world, it became a sign of this pile-on movement that you're talking about. And they, it was actually printed on T-shirts everywhere in studios. At holiday parties and everything, where they said, "Don't forget that that's why we make the movies uh, uh, like uh, to fail is so that uh, uh, so they say always remember that mindset of uh, it's unpredictable, it's volatile, but it it, uh, it you're all looking at us blankly because Richie's about to take over." Uh, so in that world, you know, that's how they dealt with your problem, basically, uh, which doesn't really, but it, also that was, a, that's just a work of fiction, a long one, uh, because, uh, they, uh, you know, a lot of films did develop their audiences over time and, uh, someone named, uh, uh, someone else named, someone named, uh, Kraft, Kraft, uh, Supercraft uh, said, what if you listen to these? What if, is there any truth in these pylons? And then they started making movies based on pile. They hired everybody from these pylons to make movies or write them. And that turned out to be, uh, those turned out to be failures that even, they were worse than GIF's movies. And they were too convoluted. Uh, and so that didn't work either, James, but that was an idea that they did try. Uh, right. But like, uh, that crafts master or whatever wouldn't give up. He, they said that, uh, there's gotta be something to this. Uh, and so they thought if they were working in this world today, that's where they'd look at, not for information. Not for certainty, because it's causing uncertainty. And not to avoid it or say, oh, maybe you do know what you're talking about when you say, uh, Deja Vu is a movie I wish I could forget or whatever, who do, who agrees or whatever you're worried about them saying. Uh, they did have to find a way to empower these pylons, uh, these snowball seekers. And so they started some programs, uh, at least in this story we're telling, like some official and some unofficial, because they realized that uh, they had to get more information. Maybe it was algorithmic even it to start, because these studios were also sitting on years and years and years, decades and decades and decades of film. Uh, and they were looking on the, the they were looking in the wrong place, and so they had to uh, yeah they had to re thanks James they had to re redirect uh, uh, ooh, James thinking about empowering these pylons is making me squinch on the inside. Yeah, but they had to they had to put them to work somewhere so they would be investing their energy someplace else. Uh, and so they tried to get them to pile on movies uh, and give them useful information about their trove of films uh, and intellectual property. 
to find the hidden gold in their back catalogs uh, and say, well, you know, maybe we should bring that movie back or maybe there is an audience for that film. Uh, the archives that they already controlled and owned uh, could be another source uh, of either perceived failures or of uh, interest. They say, oh, the reason they don't like these current movies is because it's not like these ones. Oh, hold on, James, they're talking. Oh, so you're going to reach out. ZBIF would love the idea of monetizing these pylons. Uh, yeah, I don't know how comfortable I feel with that either. Uh, but it sounds like uh, that might help all of you. Or you might try to do those. Uh, well, no, I don't know who has in the the, the, the rights to uh, Deep Water Blues. Um, uh, no, that's not a, who has the rights to the story we just told. We do actually. Oh, will we meet with Zbiff? Well, you know, Jane, do you have a nap a, nap pods? You know, we've been another. Oh, you do. I think we'd like to take a rest. Uh, and think about it, because we actually have other work to do, so maybe you could give ZBIF our number or something. But I'm glad we could help you. Yeah, I'm glad, uh, yeah, James, I don't know. I need a nap, too. I don't know if we actually did any good here. Well, we helped them solve their problem, I think. I don't know, James. I'm squ- I got to, yeah, I want to curl up and wind down. Get in the snap. Oh, boy, is it comfy in here and cozy. Good night, James. Good night, Richie. This guy, I'm getting, uh, just sinking in here and getting comfortable. Yeah, good night.